0: welcome to so many bits i'm your host bill nielsen and joining me once again from this palatial voip line in the middle of the internet is cliff murphy cliff how are you
1: I'm doing well, Bill. Thanks again for uh, spending a little bit of your day talking with me.
0: Oh, well, it was my pleasure. You know, uh, I recently I've been, uh, you know, just trying to find ways to keep busy. And I finally set about framing some artwork that I had bought a while ago. Oh, yeah. Yes, and by that I mean I paid someone else to frame the artwork for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, as as one does. Uh what sort of artwork are you framing?
0: I got these prints from a uh, site called Ukiyo-e Heroes. And they what they what they do is they do like medieval Japanese interpretations of like popular uh like media, so there's like, you know, the Mandalorian came out a while ago. So they've got like a yeah. uh, a print of the Mandalorian, but now, you know, he's like uh, a samurai. Yeah. You know, and he's got like the little baby Yoda on his uh, back for that. And, uh, but the ones I got were for, uh, I got one for uh star Fox where it's like, now they're all like mythological beasts, riding clouds through the night sky.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And another one with like uh for final fantasy six with uh Tara, and you know now she's like wearing uh you know a traditional japanese dress and like got a samurai sword and, and riding yeah. on the the armor
1: cool i f- i feel like i've seen that same art style for uh mario kart uh before when i think if i remember right uh they were riding chariots and still throwing the turtle shells at each other something along those lines i think i can picture the style
0: i would believe it i f- i feel like they've gotten like reasonably posted around you know like yeah. uh I know a, a Kotaku at one point did an article about them and like, hey, these are really good looking. So,
1: well, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and and just uh, you know, you are uh, a property owner, so you have probably. <laughs> For you, this is probably just like whatever. But for me, I'm a big baby, and I'm you know renting an apartment. So now it's like, oh boy, time to put holes in walls. I hope I do this right, and no one gets mad at me.
1: Yeah, it is nice when you uh, when you own your own property because you can put as many holes in the wall as you want, and uh, it's entirely up to you.
0: <laughs> I mean, I bet there are days that go by that you just you know you just knock out some holes, just to, like idly, pet to pet.
1: know, you're bored. Yeah, you know, just for fun. I uh I was trying to install a uh just a bracket on a downspout that I had outside and uh I drilled uh into the brick and then I uh realized I had drilled a little bit too far to the left, so I had to drill another hole right next to it, and I looked at it and I said, I am the only one who is responsible for this <laughs> for this <laughs> for this error I've made. And I, I, I'm the only one I'm the only person that I'm also accountable to as well. So You are the
0: homeowner and the whole master.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Homeowner and the home destroyer. That's everything. That's,
0: uh, so Cliff, later on in this episode, I'm going to be talking with Austin Stock. Austin is currently working on the upcoming game New York Simulator 1994 edition. Uh, we talked about you know his time uh, recently. He gained some internet notoriety for making this game called the Sinfeld Chronicles, which you can play inside the other game, uh, Dreams. And now he's kind of uh, leapfrogging from that to try and make a a whole uh, full game outside of that platform. But first, you and I have to do some screen watching.
2: I was outside watching some dear frolic. You don't even care about the outside, do you?
1: Oh, goodness gracious.
0: Yes. uh, It's a little confusing because the show we watched, it wasn't that funny and it wasn't that like entertaining overall it was just kind of weird and <laughs> uh when i looked at again at the title screen i was not mistaken we were watching the simpsons
1: stop the
2: simpsons have no fears we got so for years like Marsh becomes a robot baby mo gets a cell phone has bought him alone the bear or how
1: about a crazy we certainly were watching the Simpsons.
0: The episode is titled Marge Gamer,
1: season 18,
0: episode 17, original air date April 22nd, 2007.
1: That is crazy. I I I feel like this is probably around the time that I stopped watching the show regularly. I had seen this episode before, and uh, I must have watched it when it came out there. But uh, isn't it crazy that this is around when I stopped watching regularly, and that was still, what, like 13 years ago? And there's been 13 seasons since? It's
0: it's kind of, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Probably our parents have some kind of similar point of reference in pop culture. But for us, like, literally The Simpsons has been alive basically as long as we have. You know, I I think you might be a year or two uh, younger than me. So it's just like, yeah, like literally we were born. The Simpsons went on the air and now it's just (laughs) been there with us the whole time.
1: It's been there the whole time.
0: (laughs) This I probably stopped watching around like season 11 or 12. Like I, I can remember the episode where like they did the behind the music parody, which like a parody of behind the music is oh,
1: <laughs> that wow. even in itself is super super dated.
0: <laughs> I think at the time it felt like people were like, "This was a good episode," and like as as though this was some kind of revelation for the show.
1: I remember that episode fondly, but it did seem when I was watching it initially, I thought like, "Oh, it's like someone else is doing a documentary about the show." I didn't realize it was you know actual part of the show. Were you still watching when they killed off Maud Flanders?
0: Uh, yes. Yes, I was. So I, I spend a lot of time uh, listening to this podcast called Talking Simpsons, and they do an episode by episode rewatch, and they're up into season 11 now. And I think the uh, Maude Flanders death episode is coming up soon.
1: Oh, yeah. So. Okay.
0: It was actually some very minor trivia. Maggie Roswell, the voice of Maud Flanders, uh, she appears in the episode that we watched. Uh, so like you probably are aware of this. Maud Flanders got killed off because they didn't want to pay the voice actor to show up for the recordings anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Or there was some sort of contract dispute. She, maybe she thought she needed more or she was living far away and needed to be compensated to get there. Something along those lines.
0: That is pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she had wanted to get comped for uh, because she was doing flights back and forth from like Colorado to L.A. Yeah, so she wanted to be paid for those flights. anyway.
1: <laughs> but she was in this episode.
0: Yes, she was. She voiced uh, Helen Lovejoy.
1: I didn't know that. I thought it was just Maude. I
0: think it was Maude, Helen Lovejoy, and like Miss Hoover.
1: Now Helen Lovejoy and Miss Hoover are still on the show, though, right? Do they make as frequent appearances? they're they're, they're sort of minor characters that if they didn't appear in the show, I may not have noticed. I'm guessing
0: they got someone else to do the voice for those uh, roles, or maybe they just had them in like background shots for when they wanted them there. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I haven't watched those episodes, so I can't really tell you for sure.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. So yeah, this, uh, I, I remember when this, when this episode came out, it was, I mean, the premise of the episode is that Marge starts playing, uh, you know, an MMO, and that, that was the, the premise of the game. Or, sorry, the premise of the episode was her uh, playing this game. And I remember even thinking at the time, and still thinking now, that it was just such a forced premise. It seemed very unnatural in the way that they got to it. And then unnatural in how they explored it as well uh just unnatural i guess is the the word that i would use to describe it and then the uh the b plot with uh lisa playing soccer homer as a referee and ronaldo as the uh guest voice also felt unnatural
0: (laughs) you're completely i'm in complete agreement with you on that uh my you know I, i spent more time than anyone probably should trying to rewrite this episode in my head hmm. and the solution i came to is scrap the b plot just give more space to the a plot because then you can have a more gradual curve up of marge's using the internet she finds the mmo she re- realizes bart is playing it cuz like they have to smash it all into like the f- the first act and yeah. then the second act they have to like split time with the b plot and then there's like barely any time In the third act to like wrap things up.
1: One of the things that annoyed me, I guess, the most is that despite all this time, I mean, it's revealed, I guess, in the episode that Bart is playing as like, he's some super high level, renowned, uh, malevolent character called the Shadow Knight. Uh, So clearly... Uh, Knowing anything about uh, these sorts of games, he would have had to invest a significant amount of time in doing this. But at the end, when his character is killed by everybody else uh, in (laughs) uncharacteristically brutal fashion, when his character is killed, he basically says like, oh, well, whatever, I'm going outside. Like, that seems weird. It would have definitely felt more natural if there were maybe a bigger reaction to this if you know if whatever lesson it is that they want you know him to learn you know being presented a little bit more uh, naturally if there was more time that that may have been uh, a little bit better so yeah I, I i definitely see what you're saying in the sense that if they had scrapped the b plot entirely and just allowed the the main plot line to evolve more uh, more slowly and realistically it probably would have salvaged it a little bit more.
0: It felt like at every point in the plot, they introduced a conflict and were trying to figure out how to solve it. They figured out the simplest and like most boring way to do it. Like yeah. I, I'm thinking the most of that scene with Homer and Bart going to Moe's where Homer and Bart just show up and Moe immediately rattles off like this explanation for what happened. What happened, and the, like, what they should do about it, and it does—they do get a good joke out of it. Like one of the jokes that like I actually enjoyed is like, "Are you the real mo?" And they're like laughing about it, but the real <laughs> mo is like get tied up in the back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like everything leading up to that joke is like so pat, so so boring.
1: Boring, I guess, is a good a good way to describe it. It didn't feel if there if the if the stakes were higher or the or the commitment from the characters to these situations uh, was explored a little bit more and everything wasn't introduced and then thrown away so casually, it probably, it would have been much better.
0: You nailed it with the commitment there. Like with Lisa in this episode, you find out that she's very into soccer, which has never been established before in any prior episode, but okay. Mm -hmm. And then she goes to the game and she, you know, gets mad at Homer for not knowing it. Then we immediately snap to Homer is an expert at the rules and painfully, neurotically ethical. Lisa then decides immediately she can use this to her advantage to cheat. Yeah. Like they they have gotten some humor out of like Lisa being a, a little girl and like yeah. sometimes being, you know, naive and like false succumbing to temptation. But she just like, I, I would snap my fingers here if I could. She's like, Oh, I'm going to start cheating now. And then immediately to angry at Homer and then she watches the DVD, and then immediately is to resolution.
1: Like, okay, you were right, Dad. It, very, very fast, very snappy. Not in a, <laughs> not in a good way. But very out of character, too. Uh, yeah, uh, Lisa's had you know all sorts of different. I mean, I guess all the characters have had any number of different interests throughout the year, so I can, uh, I can excuse that. But Lisa, as a, a character uh, in general, has always struck me as someone. Uh, with a very strong sense of like morality, a lot of integrity. Yeah, she'll learn lessons and things like that along the way. But uh, for her to become interested in this and then use Homer as a way to cheat at the game seemed very out of character for her, which I found was more inexcusable than her taking an interest in soccer, right? I mean, it had been previously established in different episodes that, like, you know, she's, you know, not great at sports or, you know, physical activity or these sorts of things. But for her now suddenly taking an interest in soccer, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's fine. I'll introduce it. But then her using it as an excuse to cheat, I was like, mm, I think I have a little bit more of an issue with that.
0: Do you think they got Ronaldo and then just wrote that plot And, like, tried to figure out a way to wedge him
1: in there. Oh, that's a very interesting point. Perhaps they did. And what a bizarre thing to do. Getting him and having him contribute the voice. Why not have Ronaldo be the referee, Right? Or why not have Ronaldo be the coach? He's he's shown up as like uh giving pieces of advice to Homer. <laughs> Later on he comes back and says, ah, I've taught you well. <laughs> I guess maybe the joke is there that he hasn't taught him anything, but why not use that a little bit better? That's a very good point that maybe they they secured uh him for the voice contract or the you know, the the role, and then very quickly wrote this slapdash soccer b plot there
0: and you know i don't want to be too mean to ronaldo who you know clearly english is not his first language but just like yeah. he's just very very limited in what he could say in, in these scenes so like they have him just like show up and then immediately he's gone <laughs>
1: Yeah, and uh, you know whatever. Like that's <laughs> yeah. I, maybe not the best person for doing something like that. But you know, to his credit, it's not. It's it's not his thing. Yeah, his introduction is. <laughs> Very bizarre too. Uh, he shows up like if you were to tell me, oh, as I saw Ronaldo at the Pizza Pizza <laughs> or something, or you know the American equivalent. Pizza um, Pizza is a Canadian <laughs> pizza chain. <laughs> if you were to say, oh, I saw I saw Ronaldo at the, <laughs> I don't know, at the place, I might say like, oh, at the okay, Shoney's.
0: at the- yeah, Shoney's
1: is an American restaurant chain. At the- at the Shonies. I would say, yeah, okay, like because I, I know who he is, but I wouldn't be able to list his accomplishments as quickly and as on the spot as Homer does as soon as he sees him. Uh, I forget what he says exactly, but, whoa, Ronaldo enlists a bunch of his different awards and accomplishments right away. I wouldn't be able to do that. Granted, maybe that was supposed to be the joke, and it's just flying over my head, but very unnatural
0: there was certainly an era where they could just have people on who would be willing to make fun of themselves like i mean i think that's partly why the i mean for me leonard nimoy is like one of the best guest stars they ever had because he was willing to be the butt of a joke and like make jokes about star trek and like how he's just this like kind of nerd uh and and here like they can't they don't make a single joke at ronaldo's expense
1: that's disappointing.
0: So I am having fun just like ripping on this episode.
1: We haven't even touched upon the main reason why we watched it. <laughs> we've mostly we've mostly been talking about the B plot and how shoehorned in it was. Yeah, so Marge uh becomes interested in playing an MMO.
0: And it's like that part of her character like that was definitely relatable where she like she starts using a computer and then even though there was no social media when this that shows up in this episode, the idea that she's like desperate to get replies to her emails or like find some stimulation online then and she, that she's craving, and then mm-hmm. that brings her to the MMO. I was like, okay, I can get behind that. That's re- reasonable character uh, growth there.
1: It is bizarre that she's presumably sending out her. <laughs> I forget what she said, The uh, St. Patrick's Day e-card uh, to all of her friends and they're not responding but as soon as she gets into this game I'm assuming these were the same friends she would have sent the email out to. The limited you know, number of people living in Springfield but they're all in this game and they're all eager to talk to her and interact with her in this game.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, it would have been funny if she was like Hi Apu, you didn't answer my e-card.
1: Yeah, or just seeing somebody uh, if they had, you know, shown the e-card and nobody responds to it and then she gets to the game and someone uses the same idea and everybody responds to it bigger you know something like that that might be a little bit much but in any case
0: in any case yeah she gets into the game and it turns out the entire town of springfield pretty much is playing this mmo with her and like it's not like a wow type thing or an everquest type thing it's almost more like Um, medieval second life thing where you just like kind of yeah you you have an occupation in this digital world like you know there are shopkeepers and presumably other people just doing things and like existing together it's not about as much solving quests or whatever
1: it seems like you could basically be or do whatever you want uh evidenced by the fact that principal skinner looks like he's some sort of like a chicken hybrid (laughs) you know I guess that's what he wanted. (laughs) I guess that's what he wanted, right? Marge decides to play as uh, a cleric, which, okay, cool. Something I found uh, bizarre is that um, on the the screens of her playing this game, it just says cleric up at the top. (laughs) So uh, I thought that was funny. I did did like the uh, character creation thing when she went through, and you could see all the drop-down menus for creating your own character. Like when she picked her hair color, you could see like – the regular, you know, different types of colors and then blue at the bottom. And she <laughs> ends up picking everything that makes her character look exactly like her. I thought that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah. And like, 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 why is the joke about Mo being a troll, like, where she's just like, oh, you're a troll? He's like, what? No, this is just, I wanted to look like this. What? Do you think I look like a troll? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny. That, that, that was funny. While they're all like occupying this space, then suddenly. The evil black knight shows up or the spiky knight, maybe a shadow knight. knight, the shadow, the shadow knight. knight
1: who does look like the, uh, the, the black knight from uh, Monty Python in the Holy Grail.
0: It's very true, very true. Yeah. And everyone's like terrified of the evil shadow knight who terrorizes everyone and murders Principal Skinner's character. And then mm-hmm. they eat principal skinner's character in the game and then they eat principal
1: skinner's character <laughs> is <kinda scary. laughs> who is a chicken to their credit
0: yeah it's... right afterward then marge goes upstairs and discovers that the shadow knight is actually bart
1: surprise surprise
0: you know the the act break felt just strange there because it didn't seem like there was any tension marge bart didn't know that marge knew he was the shadow knight and marge wasn't like mad that he was the shadow knight
1: bizarre reactions to that for sure I, I i can't help but think that it could have been i mean it could have been approached in a in a you know a little bit of a different way let's say marge starts playing it or whatever she sees the shadow knight finds out that bart is the shadow knight and then maybe you know, asks for help, or they start playing the game together, or doing these sorts of things, something like that would have been, you know, Marge taking an interest in what Bart's doing, and she kind of is, but in a very, like, stereotypical, like, motherly, I guess, way, but, you know, she's playing this game, and oh, finds out, oh, her, her son is playing it too, and they can play it together, and that's some big, you know, growth thing together, and they enjoy it together, something like that, I don't know. <laughs>
0: The whole way the conflict is introduced is strange. Like, I think it would have worked better if it was a surprise that Bart was the Shadow Knight, but it's not really possible that they could hide that because they both live in the same house and Mm -hmm. it's not even like Bart was really hiding it at all. It's just like Marge discovers it because his door is ajar to his room and there is nothing building up to it really either in the first act. Like, we know there's that kind of prior friction like we've seen other episodes where Bart and Marge like don't get along well or Bart resists being mothered too much but here there's just like it's just there they're they're playing though and Bart goes off to do a quest and Marge tries to follow him in so doing ends up falling off the the path and is about to be attacked by Dolph Kearney and Jimbo who are just apparently sitting there in the middle of nowhere just talking which I guess is that that can happen in an MMO. That's allowed.
1: It definitely makes it seem more like a second life kind of game than uh something when you're actively trying to do stuff.
0: At the last moment though, Bart shows up and they I think they had another pretty good line there. It's like, "How do we run?"
1: <laughs> the command to run is control shift R. <laughs> <laughs> And then the, the other time they actually reference a command is when Bart is healing Marge and he puts he like heals her by pushing Alt F5, which is what a bizarre couple of button combos there, you know?
0: Alt F4 in a lot of games is the command to exit the game. Yeah. So I guess that's maybe why they chose Alt F5 instead.
1: Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, run could just be like a shift. Like, you know, that's, I don't know. doesn't matter. I guess it was, uh, gosh, what was this? 13 years ago.
0: (laughs) And then I guess now they're fine and they're okay with each other. But then they get back to Bart's stronghold and Marge has gotten rid of all of his treasure and replaced it with like Hello Kitty furniture.
1: Bizarre choice, Marge. Like, let's have a little bit of (laughs) self-awareness.
0: Right, yeah. And, And then Bart starts like breaking everything and in the process kills March's character. And mm-hmm. I guess this maybe makes, makes me a baby. I felt weird. Like the way that like he, he whacks her with a, a ball and chain and she just like limply flies away and like lies still in the corner. Even if it is like, it's a cartoon, it's a video game interpretation of a cartoon, but it
1: still felt like this is weird. You got to remember, he's probably a very high level. <laughs> I guess I
0: I have to keep that in mind when I'm uh, when considering that, yeah. Yeah, and so then like that, we go away for the B-plot for a little while, and when we come back, Bart is trying—oh, wait, they do argue about it in real life.
1: But Bart does decide to use his two-thirds of his life force to bring Marge back, which— that seems like a lot. Two thirds of his life force to heal especially let's let's assume Marge is a significantly lower level character, right? Let's say Bart's I don't know uh, to be at that level with that level of renowned in that game let's say he's level he's got be 50. Capped.
0: he's at the he's, at the he's capped level.
1: yeah he's at the maximum level whatever it is marge has been playing for a couple of days so let's be real generous and say she's like what level 10 something like that right i don't know but even then that is not two-thirds of his life force to give to—she can't possibly be two-thirds of his level, right? Plus, keeping in mind the class differences, a cleric is going to have significantly less HP than some, you know, direct— dps character that it looks like bart is playing there two-thirds of his life force my god
0: (laughs) if we can loop back a little bit i did enjoy one line read by julie kavner where it's she says like i'm going to bed bart's like it's five o'clock and she says who cares i'm dead (laughs) I thought that was a funny read.
1: We've all been there. So now in his weakened state, the Shadow Knight is uh, attacked by absolutely everybody in the game. That also seems bizarre. Even if he's given up two-thirds of his, let's say, hit points there, or whatever it is, uh, he doesn't seem to make any sort of attempt to defend himself there, and he can have his inventory stolen by other people because Mo takes his flaming sword. A lot of the different uh, supposed rules of this world seem to be violated by this. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, he's completely destroyed and completely ripped apart, too. He's The Shadow Knight is, like, stabbed in the eye, and then his arms are chopped off, and I think he's beaten with his own arms. And then in the gruesome final shot of this, his in the Shadow Knight's intestines are ripped out, and people are dancing around him like a maypole in a very bizarre... That's bizarre for that game to include that feature, (laughs) right? Like, what is the control to grab a character's intestines and then, you know, sort of like lightly dance around their corpse? Like, that's eh, that seems bizarre, too.
0: Felt like it lasted a really long time. Like, it was only 90 seconds, like, when I went back and counted, but it, it felt much longer than that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, seemed uh, seemed like a lot. Especially when absolutely everything else in the episode, as we've already established, seemed rushed and needed room to breathe. To take, what, God, like 10-15% of the episode to do this huge montage? That seems a little excessive.
0: Everything, yeah, it took a little too long or not long enough, but not the right amount.
1: <laughs> the proportions are all very off in this episode. It seems bizarre. Now, it, it absolutely could have been if these two plots were separated from each other and brought into full-fledged episodes, that probably could have been a lot more successful, especially if they secured, like we already mentioned, if they secured Ronaldo as the voice actor, then to do a whole episode about Lisa's exploration of soccer and Homer becoming the referee and, uh, you know, work... Um, you know, Marge and Bart into that too as well. That probably could have been much more successful. Just like uh, it would have been interesting to see, you know, uh, how to Homer and Lisa also approach, you know, Marge's uh, now playing this game and Bart being in this game too.
0: With apologies, if I'm reading too deeply into this, my part of it too is just like they definitely wanted to do a Marge-centered episode, mm-hmm. but then maybe somewhere along the line, someone's like, "Well, we should have Homer in there too, and Homer can be funny." <laughs> yeah i I want i
1: mean a
0: strange way of thinking but i wouldn't put it past them necessarily
1: yeah yeah who the heck knows matt (laughs) graining yeah if anybody's gonna know it's gonna be matt graining or the people who wrote the episode yeah so i did not like i know that um uh we're looking for good examples or good representations of video games in uh, tv and movies and this one seemed not particularly faithful to the source material, or I didn't find it particularly respectful to the source material necessarily. It, f- it just felt like a very light parody of everything without really getting at some of the details of it i mean uh, granted i'm sure that you know the simpsons is written uh for a very mass market audience and so they try to be as broad and as universal with the stuff as they can be but i feel like if you can be more specific and more faithful to whatever your source material is it just makes everything a lot better I remember when we were studying improv and sketch writing at the the Second City Conservatory Program in Toronto, I remember hearing repeatedly that uh, a specific reference was a lot better than a general reference, right? If you and another character is in the scene and you say, oh, we're drinking beer, it's a lot better to reference like a specific beer or just add more specificity just because it makes the world that you're building together more rich. And I feel like that sort of idea uh would have been very beneficial uh in this episode um having stuff that was more true more real to everything that they were doing uh or what they were trying to show i just feel like would have made it made it stronger and yeah some of it would have been lost on on some people but the level of detail or the appreciation for the detail i think would have gone further to make it a better episode
0: The Mission Hill episode is so much stronger in terms of its fidelity in like showing what the actual MMO experience would be like. Uh, Like the the South Park episode we did, Make Love, Not Warcraft, like that one, you know, they had the added benefit of they could literally use the Wizard, the World of Warcraft like engine. But even with that, like they knew what they were talking about, like they knew and understood the game
1: that is certainly true as well and i can even speak to that too i having never played wow watching that south park episode with the level of detail and the commitment i just appreciated it so much more because it just seemed so much like so much more rich In that South Park episode, when they talk about the Sword of a Thousand Truths, and they say that it's got, you know, plus whatever damage and instant mana burn and all this sort of stuff, I don't necessarily know what that means in the context of that game specifically. But I appreciate the fact that they have this very specific detail, and that everybody in the episode is uh, invested in it and interested in it, and uh, it just... Absolutely do not get that in this Marge Gamer episode.
0: <laughs> well, then we should wrap up by using our traditional scoring metrics here to officially score uh, this episode. Absolutely, As mm-hmm. always, it's going to be on a scale of 6 to 10, as with any uh, recognized video game. And we'll start with accuracy. So if you found, Cliff, this episode to be completely inaccurate to video games, give it a 6. If you found it to have lifelike accuracy, give it a 10.
1: I'm going to go middle of the road here and I'm going to say that I'm going to give it an 8 because it uh, had, I mean, it had realistic elements to it, but not approached in a way that I. Felt it necessarily deserved. It seemed it seemed too light hearted, or as if uh, the people writing the episode had read about you know playing a game on your computer and then wrote an episode based off of uh, that. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to be generous and go middle of the road and say eight.
0: I think that is pretty generous. I I'm going to go with a seven. My impression is mm-hmm. they were able to recycle some ideas for like what if the simpsons lived in like a medieval time and like wedge them into this mmo premise because like they couldn't get the medieval time simpsons episode to work as a halloween bit or in some other uh scenario so yeah like they play on computers and they do make some references that are pretty good but they're few and far between so i'll go seven makes sense Next up is condescension. So if you
1: found this to be
0: completely not condescending, give it a 6. And if you found it to be extremely condescending, give it a 10.
1: I'm going to I'm going to give it a 9 here. It felt I don't think it was super overtly condescending necessarily it was just approached in such a casual way almost as if they were like oh should we make an episode about video games okay what's going to happen about episodes about uh, video games oh uh, who's least likely to play an online game here oh probably marge and it yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a nine i wasn't offended by it in any sense of the word but i just like we've been talking about, I just think they could have approached it in a much more realistic or good, <laughs> <a> <laughs> realistic or good way. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, nine.
0: I'll go with an eight just because it. I think the in, a lot of the townspeople are playing the game and enjoying it, so it's not like being judgy of the type of person who would play it. Like it's people of all walks of life, young and old. And so with that in mind, I think that's pretty open-minded of them. It's not like the the game world is, you know, populated by like Martin and all and like database and all those characters, you know? Yeah, I'll go with an eight. Okay. And then lastly, let's go with entertainment. If you found this to be completely unentertaining, give it a six. If you found it to be hilariously Academy Award, Emmy Award, entertaining, give it a 10.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a uh, a 7 here. It's taking a look at these later season episodes of the Simpsons. I'm always under uh, wildly biased simply because I just love the early the early episodes so much more so those those will always be better and just funnier and snappier as far as I'm concerned as far as many people are concerned I think but at the same time even the worst episodes of the Simpsons I think are can tend to be better than some episodes of other TV shows. I mean, I still I still watch the whole thing and it's definitely not one of my favorite episodes of the Simpsons, but I would still watch, of course I would still watch more of the show and things like that. So, uh I think I would probably give it a I'll go with a 7 out of 10 is what I would say.
0: I'm going with a 7 as well. I thought there were a few funny jokes here and there like that we mentioned already. Also, it's not directly the episode that did this, but I found it to be really funny. Uh on the, uh, I went to, to see if I could figure out if that Lieutenant Governor Marge Simpson they briefly showed was a real person. And it led me <laughs> okay. down a, a rabbit hole to the Wikipedia for the Simpsons. And on there, there's a note. Google is a real website and the most popular online search engine in the world.
1: <laughs> good to know.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's good that they specified that in the Simpsons wiki. Yeah, uh but this is a very far cry from where the Simpsons was when yeah, we were watching growing up, and some of that is gonna be nostalgia speaking, but I don't know, like it just isn't good and like some of the references like are so odd, like the the Brandy Chastain reference, like that happened in nineteen ninety nine.
1: yeah so even that that reference is like eight years out of date now when this episode is coming out
0: you know that's not the first time they've done out-of-date references like uh but it it stuck out more here to me huh so seven (laughs) seven it is well cliff i think that'll bring this uh screen watching segment to a close right now we're going to go to break and when we come back i'll be talking with austin stock about new york simulator 1994 edition And we are back from break. Joining me on this palatial VoIP line in the middle of the internet is Austin Stock. Austin is one half of Rare Bird Interactive with his brother Colton, and their upcoming game is New York Simulator 1994. So Austin, just first of all, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I guess uh, for people who might not be previously familiar with your work, could you give a little bit of an introduction
2: Yeah, um, I'm a film editor in Los Angeles who um, just has kind of dabbled in 3D uh, graphics since about 2011. And ever since COVID happened, um, the company I worked for laid us off and we were let go uh, at the end of January. And right around that time, we had we, we have been working in the beta version of Dreams on PS4. And we just we've always had this idea of doing a Seinfeld horror game. And so for, from February to the end of March, we just worked full time on this Seinfeld horror game and it kind of took off from there and it, uh, kind of led to a Kickstarter. And now we're kind of doing like a spin off adventure based off of that game using kind of the same elements and the same, uh, personality as Seinfeld.
0: Well then let's start right at the beginning. So, uh, Before Dreams, had you taken time to work in any other like game or video game engines?
2: I I started off in 2011. I basically, that was my introduction to 3D, was with uh, Cinema 4D and Unreal Engine. And over the course of the decade, I basically was uh, messing around with um, Star Wars, like Star Wars 3D models and things like that. So I, I, I taught myself by just, Downloading my favorite shows, 3D models, and things like that. Like so, I think one of my first creations was um, the 2001: A Space Odyssey. I just downloaded a bunch of. I, I found a website and it had a bunch of 3D models from the movie, and I downloaded and kind of recreated scenes like in 720p because I had like a, a a laptop at the time, and I was just like, I was just blown away at how fast I was able to get that up and running, and. It kind of opened my eyes to this whole other world because I was—I felt like I was very trapped by my imagination. I wanted to make these big epic scenes, and and I didn't have the money or the resources to do any of these things. And so, Cinema 4D kind of opened up the doors to animation and 3D 3D animation, and we started just messing around and making stuff. And then I ended up be, becoming kind of like the go-to guy for. 3d titles and things for that like like when I, whenever I would go from different offices or, or uh, post post offices or um, production companies I would always be like the 3d guy and then right around 2016 is when I started going I started thinking about Unreal Engine. And we started making this thing called Little Stevie Wanders. It was going to be like a little iPhone game, kind of like uh, what's that game? Was that game with the Indiana Jones uh, guy? Uh, I forgot. Uh, Temple Run. It was going to be. It was kind of. It was going to be basically like a Temple Run type game with this little like naked alien boy named Little Stevie. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was basically a parody of uh, ET. It was going to be just an over over the top action version of ET with a naked little alien boy and um and we got we got pretty far with it but then what happened was um my computer completely just died like the graphics card just gave out and the screen screen went bl- you know blank and i did i i did everything i could and um i ended up putting my graphics card in the oven and i baked my graphics card for 8 8 minutes and i saved my pc um but i lost I lost. I lost a lot of those files. Um, it was just. It was all messed up. The computer was just destroyed.
0: So wait, baking the graphic card actually helped. Is that a thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so baking your graphics card. Don't. I only recommend it if you if you have if you feel like your computer is if it's just if it's if you can't even turn it on and and you really just want to try to save it. Um, you can, if you can separate the graphics card from the motherboard, or if you can take it out, um, you can put it into the oven for eight minutes. You put it on uh, tin foil and you, you elevate it just the right amount. And if you bake it, it basically <laughs> melts the soldering points and, uh, reconnects everything. And if you do it, and if you do it just right, like you can put it back in and, and you could save it for maybe a few more months and 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 your screen will come back on and everything will be functional and and it could buy you enough time to save whatever files are on there um which is great but i lost a lot of files and and it was just it just messed up a lot of things it just it really set us back uh losing that computer but um basically i, I all i had left from that project was like the cutscenes and the and like some of the you know the 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 3d models and things like that but most of the unreal project was all gone. It was just like, it was just, uh, I lost it all because I, I saved, I saved a lot of the files on uh, external hard drives and stuff, but some of the crucial stuff was, was lost. So anyway, so I basically I had this, these cutscenes and they were kind of like sitting around and I didn't have anything to, I didn't have any use for them. It was just random cutscenes of a naked alien being chased by the government. And then what it occurred to me that I should, I should submit it to, um, Channel 101 in L.A., which is like a monthly film festival. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the Dan
0: Harmon, Justin
2: Roiland one? Yeah, yeah. And so we we ended up taking the cutscene, and we kind of just... We just added on to it at the very end we added uh so so you'll when you watch it when you watch little cB wanders when he jumps out the window from that point on it was all stuff that we added like to so the helicopter and him taking down the helicopter and all that stuff and we I ended up busting it out in like two days because the deadline was in two days and I was just like I was just like oh, I have nothing else to do I might as well do this so i I just busted out this episode submitted it and i I had no idea if people were gonna like it. And there was a really positive reaction. I remember sitting in the crowd and I, cause everybody else was making pretty high quality stuff. Like there's some people there that were making like sitcom quality shows, you know, like, like 30 rock style. And it was very, it was very intimidating cause they would go out, they would shoot like actual pilots of shows and they would do it. They would do it within a month and they would, and it would be very polished and very funny. And then, and then here comes me, Submitting this like half-rendered iPhone (laughs) cutscene, and 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 there's almost no dialogue, no nothing. It's just it's just him running from the government, taking down an Apache helicopter, and people just loved it, and they just like they loved how action-packed it was, and it was just like, and they just they just kind of fell in love with Little Stevie, and so um, I got voted back, and we did another episode, and then we did another one, and it just the episodes escalated and they got bigger and bigger because I, I was able to spend a month on each one uh, from that point. So I like spent a full month on each episode from that point on. And like, I really kind of fleshed it out and that kind of created like a small little following or just, I it kind of just like, I, I, I made a lot of friends that year and it was really fun. And uh, basically what happened was I I started kind of playing around with 3d stuff from that point on. And I, I also, I also started pitching TV shows and things like that. And I, start, I started, I started really going into the animation industry. And, um, and then one thing that me and my brother were always talking about was making video games. And so when dreams, when dreams came out, the beta, we, me and him were kind of applying everything we learned from little Stevie to dreams, like all our animation experience and everything. Cause I don't know if you've ever used dreams, but it's very similar to cinema 4D. There's a lot of, it's very similar. It's Actually, way, it's actually just a much easier version of Cinema 4D.
0: So, dr- Dreams, at least from the outside, seems unique. Like, there have been you know, there's RPG Maker, there's Super Mario Maker, but Dreams kind of it appears to hit this nexus of like accessibility, but also like uh, like creativity too, where you can build pretty sophisticated uh, designs into that engine,
2: basically anything you can imagine can be made in dreams. Um, the only limitation is the thermometer in the game, which basically is um, the amount of assets you use. So as long as you can creatively find a way around that, any gameplay style or any anything, any gameplay that you can dream up is possible in dreams. And it's unbelievable. And my hope is that Epic Games is watching And I know that they, I know that they're aware of it and I know that they've, I know they've played it and I know that they must, they must see some value in that because the, if you just look at Dreams, their, their store, you see such a huge range of different genres and games that people are just pumping out like people I remember when before dreams came out people said oh yeah watch no one's gonna no one's gonna be able to use it no one's gonna make a game for dreams because it's too tedious and they somehow made it just friendly enough that people could just pump out these funny little games and things like that and I mean just so just to give you an idea like I literally have never made a full game you know like a full playable game with a start menu and all that stuff like I never I never made like a full experience before and I I was able to, as soon as I lost my job, I like within a, I think within a week. I was able to have Jerry's apartment up and running and I was able to walk around, open doors, things like that. And then I just, every day I just kept adding on to it, adding on to it. And like within two months, we had pretty much a 40 40 to 45 minute experience. I, 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 I watched a couple of videos online of some, these. there's these little girls playing it. They did this live stream. It was like these three little girls and they were just like goofing around playing with it. They spent 25 minutes running around Jumping on the couch, laughing, and just like, I was like, this is insane. This is there. People are just having fun being in Jerry's apartment. And so it kind of just showed me, like, I don't know, like, you don't have to make uncharted or whatever it, it can be something smaller and simpler and it, it there there's an audience out there that that appreciates it and they they have so much fun with it and so so we we anyways we we tried to polish it as much as possible but we we were hoping that dreams would kind of um, open up their marketplace and allow us to make games that we could sell but they said that's not going to be ready till next year
0: and that's when you pivoted to the kickstarter
2: yeah, so we, we opened the Kickstarter up and we basically said that we were we wanted to make a Sinfeld-esque game with the same gameplay, same personality, same characters, maybe dropping the the direct references to Seinfeld and kind of going a little looser with it, but still having that same personality. And the thing is, uh, the last couple of weeks though, we came up with it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So we, we only, we only raised $7,500, which is, which is amazing, but that's only enough to cover the equipment needed to make the game. So we kind of had to go back to the drawing board and kind of think like, how can we make a satisfying experience without like, without, you know, without taking up our whole lives. Uh, And so this last couple of weeks, we came up with an idea that is very exciting. I can't really go into it because it's, you know, there's, I I don't want to give it away yet, but we're trying to get it on PS5. And it's, it's kind of a mixture of a game and a killer app. And it's something, so we were watching, we were watching uh, movies with our friend and he was having like a, like a, a zoom tiki party. (laughs) And it's, it's really fun. Like, I love just hanging out. I love hanging out with our friends, but When you're watching Congo, we're watching Congo at 15 frames a second, and the audio is out of sync, and I can't hear anybody, everybody, like every time you crack a joke at the movie, they're like, huh, what? What'd you say? I don't know. Okay, whatever, move on. That kind of gave us this idea this last couple weeks of a game slash experience that could bring us all together. And also be kind of a useful, it's a useful app, but also we're going to build this like open world VR around it. Um, so that you could basically hang out with your friends. But you could also kind of uh, share stuff with each other, and so I can't really go into it. But it's a small but ambitious idea that we can try to do these next three months or four months, and we're going to try to take it to uh, certain people. We have these, uh, we have we have these certain people that we're going to go to, uh, and we're going to try. We're going to try our best to get an experience on PS Five this next year. The thing is, I, I feel really bad because we, you know, we wanted to make like a Sinfeld game, but honestly, like I can't make a whole video game with zero dollars. You know, I like I have Justin, I just have the computer. So we're trying to, we're trying to think of a way that we can spend our our spare time these next three months and like actually create a product that is fun and kind of useful. And so it's very exciting. See,
0: so, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a little around it, but it's like, uh, I guess the way that I read about Seinfeld Chronicles is it's PT, but with Seinfeld. Uh, is that how you envisioned it, Austin, or how, how would you describe the game for people?
2: Uh, yeah, that's pretty much our inspiration. Was back back in like twenty sixteen, I think it was. I think it was twenty sixteen was when they first started showing off what Dreams was about. And I remember posting on Reddit somewhere. um, I said, Hey, like I, I said, the, 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 I'm going to, when this game comes out, I'm going to make a Seinfeld horror game and everyone, and it, the, the post blew up and I got all these comments from people saying, yes, you have to do this. You have to do this. And so we, it's something that we've always toyed around with. We were like, Jerry's apartment would make a perfect PT hallway sequence. And, um and just like making that loop. Uh, we didn't exactly copy PT because we ended up basically making it where you eventually leave the apartment and you go to the diner. So we wanted to include the diner, but the general idea of a loop—it's just looping in a circle. We—it's—it's it's very, very, very inspired by PT, and I—I I, I think that the un- when we ha- when we build something like this in Unreal Engine, we can we can take it even further. But the uh, but what's funny is when we first released the game we were planning on making it even darker we were going to we were we were actually going to take inspiration from the concept video of pt uh which i don't a lot of people probably haven't seen but i think it was from tgs 2014 or something like that uh, have you have you seen that the concept trailer for pt like what it was originally supposed to look like
0: no no i mean like I am somewhat familiar that PT is extremely scary as is. So the idea that there's an even more horrifying version of it out there somewhere, uh, I'm revolted.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, so if any, if anyone's curious, look up, um, silent Hills, TGS, something in 2014, and they released a concept or I guess, yeah, type in silent Hills concept, uh, trailer. And basically they show you just like, an idea of what they were thinking and, and what's really cool about it is they showed some, some of the basic concepts of what made it different than other games. So, so a lot of people don't, a lot of like the, the average gamer doesn't really like care about this stuff. They, they, they just, but I, I, I literally stare at, I, I I play these games over and over and over again, and I'm trying to figure out what makes this better than Resident Evil or whatever, you know, why is PT so addicting and why do I love it so much? And so, what they were trying to do was get a ri- get rid of inventory, get rid of all this stuff, and be ki- and and basically lead the player using sound and using um, audio cues and things like that. So, so when you watch the concept trailer, you'll see that he basically is walking down the hallway, and he'll hear a kid laugh, and it, that that kid laughing will make you curious and kind of go investigate. And that's and that's kind of how the game is built, is that you're you're kind of just being led by these little cues, these little audio and visual cues to keep you going. And that has never been done before, as far as I know, because uh, Resident Evil seven, when it came out, it was too much inventory, in my opinion. Like that was one thing I didn't like. It was like, oh, you got to find a key and oh, you got to go back to this area and look for a key. I am kind of I, I kind of hate that. Now I'm kind of tired of that stuff. And that, what I what was so appealing about PT was just, just the players just keep – they have to figure everything out on their own. They have to look at their environment. They have to listen. They have to do all this stuff. They have to be completely in the in that world and pay attention. There's no menus or anything for them to go through. And so that's what we were trying to do with um, Sinfeld. but. I think what's 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 really funny though is we were that was our goal was to make it as scary as PT but uh, as soon as people started playing it um, the 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 very early rough version of it they were already terrified the, the as soon as as soon as the the lights were dimmed and Kramer's apartment was kind of dark and spooky people were just immediately terrified there's P- I see videos online of people just turning it off as soon as there's any sense of, uh, some kind of supernatural elements or, or anything spooky happening. Uh, there are people that I see people peek into Kramer's apartment and they'll, they'll turn off the game. And so that's, uh, (laughs) yeah. So, so that that's, that's why we, you know, we, we ended up just kind of keeping the tone of the game to be not disturbing. We, we, so like our original idea was we were going to make it really dark, but then we were like, you know what? It's, it seems like it's dark enough for most people. And so that, so we kind of, we kind of tread, treaded this line of just this spooky atmosphere. And I think people love it. And it's kind of, I think it fits with Seinfeld really well too, because Seinfeld's not that dark, but.
0: so you knew at a certain point that, okay, this is this, the Sinfeld Chronicles is a thing. People are into it. We can maybe take this to the next level. Was there like a tipping point where you like watched a particular video? Was it like the three girls playing or was there another moment where you're like, Oh, Oh, this is, this is big.
2: It was, so we got really excited. I think it was the end of February or maybe like the beginning of March. Like we, we had like Kramer's apartment done. I think the elevator was working or something. And basically I remember somebody, uh, somebody tweeted, his name is Dom. He works at Esquire and I don't know him. But he, 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 he tweeted and I remember my brother finding it and he's like, this is the greatest thing on dreams right now. And then the, and then the tweet blew up, it got like tens of thousands of retweets or, or likes or whatever. And it, and it got spread everywhere. All of a sudden, uh, you know, um, AV club picks it up and then uh game like uh the guys from Game Informer and all this stuff like it just started taking off like people are writing articles about it and I was like oh my god and so so from that point from from like the beginning of march to the end of march like we just went hardcore and just started like polishing it and what's funny what's funny is that people i remember if you if you go back if you go back and look at the videos that went viral like the ones that that kind of kickstarted it it was a very unfinished version of the game like jerry's counter and his there weren't even any cereal boxes or anything and there wasn't any there wasn't really any detail to it it was it was like just barely reminiscent of his apartment, you know? It like his counter was just a rectangle. And so, and and people were like, "Oh my God, it's Jerry's apartment!" And we're like, "Oh no, it's not done yet. It's not done yet." <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, so, um, so, as soon as we finished it, and we had like a nice countertop, and we had like a fridge that you could open, and there's a crystal inside, and we were like we just went crazy. And we're just adding all this crazy fun stuff. And um, once we had it to a point that we were happy, we we got uh, Easy Allies to play it, and we got um, the Min Max guys to play it it kind of that's what that's that was then it then it then it took off again and it kind of went viral again and then and then esquire did an article about us and then that's what that that was right around the time when the kickstarter we start we launched the kickstarter was after all that so that's when we that's that's when we knew that we was something special and we realized that like there's something special about making games that are simple and fun and it's and and also just like i think i think if we're going to move forward as a company I think what we want to do, if we if we if we're lucky enough to get to make games, is to make games that you wish were made, and that's like kind of what our goal is going to be. Is so so we're gonna we're gonna try to make games that you wish existed. So that is kind of our goal. And I know that sounds really vague, but we have a bunch of ideas for games that we like dreamt up as you know like over our lives, and we're just like, why hasn't this been made yet? And and it's really funny because there's there's a lot of ideas out there that you're just like. I understand why that's not made. Like, for example, like combining hockey with Dragon Ball. I don't know why that hasn't been made yet. I loved NHL hits. And that's another idea that we really want to do. We want to combine a hockey game where you can, when you get into fights, it turns into a Dragon Ball match. And it's like, that is awesome. And that's something that we want to do. And like, we just want to make these small little games that kind of, that, that that other companies are afraid of afraid to make. Like another one is like kind of a monster, like a monster fighting game, like a war of the monsters, stuff like that. So there's just these games that these companies, they think there's no market for, but there is, you just haven't done it. Correctly, you haven't done it right, and um, so I, I think that's kind of how we're going to move forward. Is like we're just going to make we're just going to make stuff that we wish existed. And I know I know a lot of people say they do that, but I feel like we need to go back to the N sixty four days or the or back to the Dreamcast days. I don't know if you remember Dreamcast when it came out, but
0: oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, with the Dreamcast, there was like distinctly like why not do this? Why not have a, a fish that's a human also?
2: Yeah, yeah, and then also, I mean, like do you remember American Trucker or uh sorry, I forgot what it's called. Uh, it was like a trucking, yeah, 18 wheeler. Like there's a trucking game where you have to bash other truckers off the road and like and then there's other truckers that are like I'm going to get I'm going to get my package there before you and blow and like oh yeah, we'll I'll see you in Key West. Or whatever. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was just like, why don't we make games like this? This is what games used to be about. You know, this is about just like insane concepts that you that you would only dream of, you know, like, and and, and I feel like games these days, they're, they're trying to capture, they're trying to be like Dota, or they're trying to be like Overwatch or Fortnite or whatever. And they're trying, they're all trying to get after that. But I think there's still a market for just like these crazy ideas that just I mean, there are there are a lot of crazy games out there. Like I remember Cluster Truck was kind of one of them. Like Cluster Truck is kind of a crazy idea. That's a just jumping on top of Semi trucks is pretty awesome.
0: There are still some like pretty wacky ideas out there. It is they, they don't there's no like major studio publishing them the same way that like that Sega did it back in the day
2: so I I think I think what we're doing with um the New York simulator is where the thing is as much as we would love to make like a full story mode in a campaign it's just like I think what we're going to do is we're going to pivot just for a little bit and we're going to we're going to kind of scale that down and then also kind of turn it into a useful app that can kind of bring people together um, and have fun and, and we'll see if we can pull it off, but um, that's what we're going to do for the rest of the year. And just see 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 what we can come up with. Yeah, I think I think right now, like we're trying to we're trying to create something that's like that can actually make us money, but also satisfy the Sinfeld fans that supported us and stuff. Um, so we're kind of making like a little hybrid project. I hope that they understand that we have to make money. We actually have to make a product that would sell. I, I think people generally understand. Well, it's funny because we were like we we had stretch goals and. Our ultimate goal was $100,000, which isn't a lot of money, to be honest. That's like enough to pay a a couple people for a year or two years, maybe. And we only raised $7,500 and we're like, well, I I hope people understand that that's just enough for the, the equipment to make the game. But it's like now, so now we have to do, we have to work our full time jobs and do this at the same time. But the idea, the idea that we came up with, very excited about. And it's something that we can make. I think we can have up and we can have like a, a prototype up and running in about two months maybe so I'm very excited about it and I can't wait to share it with everybody. It's gonna be really cool.
0: There's a somewhat famous uh, I would guess it would be a blog post by one of the developers for the game Skullgirls. Uh, it's this fighting game and they were talking about okay we, we're do, doing a Kickstarter to put this new fighter in the game. Here is what it costs to hire an animator here's what it costs to hire the person who's going to integrate this character into our existing game. And this is why we're asking for this much money. And just like, because people were giving them a lot of uh, the business because they're like, how can you ask for this much money? It's just one character.
2: Oh, yeah. So what I learned with Kickstarter, um, I was reading a lot of articles about it, is that, so if you say your game is going to take $100,000, apparently most of America scoffs at that. And they're saying you think you deserve $100,000 and they think you're just dreaming, you're just crazy. And it's like, no, that is like the bare minimum of what it would take to make this game, you know, like to hire, to hire programmers, hire artists and things like that. And then, but but if you, if you lower your goal to something where you're just like, okay, I just need enough money to get the equipment to start the game. That's when Kickstarter, that's what Kickstarter is about is what I realized is Kickstarter is just a place for you to kickstart. It's not. It's not meant to fund the whole game. So that's what we're doing these next few months. Is like we're using the Kickstarter money to basically get us to the next milestone, and then we could take it. We can take it to publishers. We can take it to investors. We can take it to whatever. You know. So so that's that's what I learned Kickstarters about. It. So if you ever make a Kickstarter, just uh, my advice is to think about the bare minimum you need to get going. And, uh, that is, that is what it's about. And, and, and what's cool is I, before I, before I started the Kickstarter, I reached out to everybody and I let them know, I was like, this is what we're going to do. This is what our plan is. And like, we're, we're really lucky that a lot of the people backing us, all all of them have been like completely supportive of what what we're trying to do. And they're like, yeah, dude, they, they just want us to keep making stuff. And that's, that's really cool. And I just, I hope it, I hope it stays that way. I I, I hope that our fans can just like, appreciate like whatever we pump out, like whatever we make, you know,
0: Austin, I do have a couple questions I'd like to ask before we uh, wrap up today. First of all, you did allude to your full-time job and you, you know, we were talking about it a little bit before we went live. Uh, you work with uh, Nickelodeon on one of their currently airing shows. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: What's really weird mm-hmm. is um, COVID has opened up a lot of our opportunities where I, I, I was really worried in February. I was just like, when i was when i was making the sinfeld game i was like what am i doing with my life you know <laughs> like i'm I, like you, you guys don't understand how depressing it is when you realize you spent 2 months modeling Newman's apartment or whatever you know or whatever you're like what what am i what am i doing and then and then and then so like you like the fans reaching out to us and saying that they love it and they, they think it's the, the funnest thing they played on dreams that made it all, that made it worth it to us. And that, that's kind of what pushed us to keep going. But I was worried from February to March. I had no idea what, cause I don't know if, I don't know if you guys know this. A lot of people probably out there don't know this, but like, it seems like a vaccine for this COVID is not going to be manufactured and delivered until mid next year. Right. So I didn't know, what I was going to do for work. I had no idea what this was going to look like. And then all of a sudden, um, a director from Nickelodeon, uh, he's, he's a friend of mine now, his name is Ben Plumer. He, um, he reached out to me and he saw that I made a filter uh, for Little Stevie. And he asked me if I can make filters. And I said, yes. And I ended up making uh, a test. Uh, I made some tests for them in April. And then by uh, the beginning of June, we started production on this, this Nickelodeon show, which uses uh, Snapchat filters and things like that. And, uh, it's called unfiltered and it, it airs every Saturday. And, um, and it kind of saved my summer for me It's kind of, it's just a kind of a miracle that, that I landed that, that gig. So, and, and, and it's, it's basically allowed me to keep working or keep, keep focused on my projects and, and if we end up making something this next, this, you know, in Christmas or this next year, it's all because of Nickelodeon saving me. So I appreciate that a lot.
0: I mean, that, yeah, that's fantastic. I know, uh, you, you know, tons of industries, yeah, are, are being hit hard and like, uh, like Broadway, like they're shut down for all of 2020 already. And I, yeah, I can imagine that in Hollywood and California, it's a similar, circumstances for a lot of those uh, shows and productions so I'm, I'm, just, I'm glad you caught on
2: i it's it's i mean i still don't know where things are headed i'm hoping that i'm hoping that i can keep working on this nickelodeon show for till the end of the year um hopefully it gets renewed but i i i yeah i, I don't know how we're gonna all stay employed for another year and a half or a year you know I remember Dr. Fauci said, you know, there, it might, he says it's going to be manufactured and delivered mid to end 2021. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, oh my God. So another, another year of this, this is, this is going to be crazy, but I will say it is a good, it is a good time to make a video game because if you're going to be home, if you're going to be working from home and if you have, if you have spare time, um, now is the time to download Unreal Engine because Unreal Engine 5 is coming out next year. And apparently, it's going to make it easier for you to make games. It's going to make it... They're, 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 if, if, if people haven't been paying attention, Unreal Engine 5 is basically promising that you can drag and drop any 3D model into the program and it'll automatically optimize it for you. So that it saves you a ton of time. And, uh, it, it saves a lot of work. And um, if if that's true, and they pull that off, that's going to make make it, making games is going to be a lot easier. It's going to democratize it. And um, I'm really, I think, I think now is the time to get into Unreal Engine. So if anyone's listening out there, and you're like kind of on the fence about being a game developer, or you've ever thought about it, now's the time to kind of jump into Unreal because it's about to, I think, it's about to take off.
0: This is the uh, the last question I ask of everyone who comes on the podcast, and it's a three part question. Uh, I feel like. There is a communal knowledge of Pokemon, uh, whether you played the Game Boy games or you played Pokemon Go or you watched the cartoons. Uh, So with that all in mind, uh, if you could pick one Pokemon you could have as a pet, one Pokemon you could be, and one Pokemon you could eat, which would they be?
2: I think I would rather be Gyarados. I'd rather have Pikachu as a pet. And then the one to eat would be Magikarp
0: but is there any sense of irony in wanting to be a Gyarados, but also eat a magic?
2: <laughs> that's so true. Oh man. I know the irony. Okay. I think, yeah, that's a pretty bad answer. I think, Oh man. It's, I wanna it's eat. Not,
0: there's no wrong answers.
2: I, I just feel like he goes from such a pathetic character to one of my favorite Pokemon. I love Gyarados, but yeah, I think, or maybe, I mean, maybe, uh, uh, what's a goal, uh, What's it, Goldine or what's uh, the other? Yeah, okay. I'll eat Goldine. Okay.
0: <laughs> right, you, you're not gonna become a. Uh, geez, what's Goldine's evolution? Yeah. I, I don't remember.
2: I, yeah, I, I think I think I think I, I yeah I think I, I respect Magikarp now because of you. Thank you. I, I, you're I, welcome. I, I totally, Yeah, I totally. I never thought about it. I, I I love I love Gyarados, so I have to love Magikarp.
0: Look, Magikarp is really important for EV training because it raises your attack stats. You, if you go to the water, you can find a lot of Magikarp. And you, you, I don't know if you've ever EV trained in your life. It's it's not anything you really need to do with your time. Just point it pointing it out.
2: Oh, is that for is that a Pokemon Go thing?
0: So it's a thing that's been in actually like every like r- normal Pokemon or like you know Game Boy Pokemon where the there are hidden attributes to the stats uh Mm -hmm. like uh fighting certain pokemon will uh extra boost certain stats and those are called like evs or uh i think it's short for expected values so like if you fight a pokemon uh the next like if you fight a bunch of magikarp the next time you level up your attack stat will go up more because the magikarps are tied to the attack ev for example
2: oh okay Yeah. I never got in. I never, I never got deep into Pokemon. I just, I remember when I was 13, um, I moved to Vancouver and I have this fond memory of just sitting. I came, I I didn't, I didn't really know anybody because we just moved there. And I remembered coming home and we were, we were living up in the mountains in Vancouver. I just have this fond memory of just like coming home from school, sitting on the couch and just playing Pokemon for like two to three hours i was like it was like it was just one of those it was one of those things where i'm like i'm in heaven right now because like out out my out my window was just this beautiful view of the canadian you know mountains and stuff and i was just like this is the life
0: well i'm excited to see your interpretation of new york city once it's uh finished so just uh austin thank you so much for your time uh if you want people to get updates on the game and just uh what you're up to in general where can they get them
2: um, yeah, you can follow us at Rare Bird Interactive on YouTube, or um, you can follow me on Twitter. I think I'm—I just type in Austin Stock. You should be able to find me. Uh, we've been—we've been editing some. We've been editing some, um, some vapor remixes with Freddie Wong and um, and a few others. Actually, some really big editors in, in LA. You guys probably don't know them, but there's if you look at our roster, it's pretty good. So if you do, go to RacerTrash.com. Uh, we've been doing these remixes and, uh, raising money for charity and things like that. And, um, I don't want, I don't know how much I can say, but basically I think we're going to be at fantastic fest and we're going to be, we're going to be remixing, um, some Alamo draft house movies, which is really exciting. So we're going to, so you'll, if you, if you if you, if you really want to follow along, uh, look up racer trash. We're basically a collective of LA's best editors, and uh just like crazy crazy filmmakers and we're just like remixing our favorite movies and and we air them on twitch and we raise money for charity it's really fun so check it out very cool very cool
0: well in the meantime just uh thank you so much
2: yeah no thank you
0: And we are back from break. One more time, big thank you to Austin for his time on the call. And that just brings this episode of So Many Bits to a Close. So Cliff, thank you very much for talking The Simpsons with me. I'm sure it was a an ordeal for you.
1: <laughs> just a baffling ordeal.
0: But uh, we'll have you back on next week to talk about some of the games you've been playing. And uh, until then, if you want people to find you anywhere on the internet, where can they find you?
1: Uh, Easiest thing to do is uh, check out my improv group, uh, Moist Theatre, facebook.com slash Moist Theatre. We regularly do performances in Toronto. I would say Maybe I shouldn't use the word regularly right now, but <laughs> in the case that's uh, that's what we do when we uh, when we start doing shows again, I'm sure we'll let you know, and I'm sure everyone will let you know that they're doing their shows as well. So we'll all find out together, won't we? But yeah, facebookcom theater
0: Awesome. Well, as for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from from Simplecast or stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits. Typically, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Wednesdays will be usually for single player experiences and Thursdays for group games. And last but not least, just thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer.